2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in your favorite video games. I'm your host Joe Prez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt?
1: I'm. I was rocketed to Earth from Doomed Planet Mathron. Where upon Earth's yellow sun, I gained the powers of a snarky, cynical old jerk.
2: We should probably make that comic. I think it would work well. But we're not here to talk about uh, being launched from dying and doomed planets. Otherwise, well, that'd be a whole different podcast. Instead, we are here to talk about well, how to more. launch
1: myself from the dying and doomed planet <laughs> I happen to be on.
2: Uh, man, if we could figure that out. Anyway, uh, but we're here to talk about uh, in our continuing discussion about dragons in World of Warcraft, in particular, the dragon flights. Uh, last time we talked primarily about the black dragon flight and the green dragon flight we did talk about some of the others but we we tended to to skew more heavily towards those two Uh, so today we're going to cover well essentially everybody else and there's more than you would think Uh, so where do you think we should start matt
1: well i mean if we're starting that means we're doing something in time therefore we should probably talk about the red dragon flight because i like to swerve people (laughs)
2: <laughs> ah yes the uh the life orders so what 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 do you think is the most important thing about the the red dragon flight as we in their history they're the starting point
1: okay i'm not going to talk about the starting point up front because you said most important thing in their history and to me this is the most important thing in their history an orc named necrosh skull used the the demon soul an artifact created by the five dragon flights back when they were fighting the uh old gods during the war of the ancients they were manipulated into making it uh by Neltharion, who we know better as deathwing we talked about him last week uh but Neltharion tricked them because he didn't put any of his power into it uh let so it didn't work on them but it, it worked on everybody but his flight and when necros got his hands on it guided by deathwing he used it to enslave the red dragons uh, and as part of that enslavement he forced tyranistra's the prime consort of Alexstrasza and Alexstrasza to create clutch after clutch after clutch of eggs. He basically forced them to breed. Uh, he did this so much that Tyrannostrasza was basically weakened almost to death.
2: Now this is the Dragonmaw clan, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. This is a dra- the Dragonmaw clan of orcs. Um, when, when it was all finally over and, t- you know, Tyran- uh, I said Tyrann, oh my God. Uh, Alexstrasza finally broke free. Uh, along with the other dragons, and confronted Deathwing and chased him off. Many, many red dragons had been forced into slavery as mounts for the Horde during the First and Second War. That was what the Dragonmaw Clan provided.
2: In in particular, they- if you if you're read or listen to the new Sylvanas book, there is actually a scene where uh, you get to experience the horror from an outsider's perspective of watching an orc on the back of a red dragon going to war.
1: So- yeah they they burned part of silver moon um they this is the in fact the the genesis of the hatred of uh dalen proudmore was Mm -hmm. that the the orcs riding on red dragons flew up to one of his fleets and annihilated it including one of his sons uh sent them all to the bottom of the ocean so after that happened after alexstraza had lost practically everything. She'd lost an entire generation of, of offspring. She'd lost her prime consort. He basically died trying to save her from Deathwing, because he was too weak to even think about fighting, but he still tried. She lost all that. And she'd been basically, there's no good way to put this forced breeding is part of genocide. It's literally in the definition of genocide. So the dragon Ball clan of orcs committed genocide against uh, her people. And her personally, she was personally part of it. And when asked if she wanted revenge on the orcs for what had happened to her, she said no. Because while the orcs had done horrible things to her, they were still living creatures. Mm -hmm. And Alexstrasza's reverence for life is such that she could forgive even that. Now, I didn't tell you the story to tell you how bad the horde is cuz most horde like most of the horde you're going to meet have not had nothing to do with that.
2: This. this is this is the the invasion mm-hmm. horde from through the dark portal, right? This is yeah. not this is not our current horde.
1: But even, you know, with all that aside, most orcs weren't involved. It was mostly the, just the Dragon Ball clan. Mm-hmm. But the point isn't orcs bad. The point is you could do that to a red dragon and she'd forgive you. You could do that to Alexstraza and she'd forgive you and want you to be well. That's the most important thing about the Red Dragonflight.
2: Which ties into what their charge was. So the Red Dragonflight was, as with all of the Dragonflights, were infused with essentially pieces of power from the the pantheon of Titans, and they were charged with certain domains. Now, the reason why Matt's story is important here is because the Red Dragonflight In particularly, Alex Straza, the Life Binder, and all every, and in this sort of mentality that surrounds them, is they were charged by ANR with protecting life. Now, this is important for two reasons. One, you hear the story about forgiveness, right? You hear the story about how. Uh, they wanted to protect life because it is life, and now the orcs are part of Azeroth. So there wasn't going to be, at least in at that particular moment, revenge, despite how terrible what they made them do was. And now what they made them do here as mounts, as war machines, as things that bred destruction at the hands of masters that they did not choose or consent to it was a violation of everything that they were charged to do it was a violation of their core tenant and yet even then because now the current the way the current world is or at least at that time forgiveness was her option and so like i think that's really important because that is the normally the mindset of the red dragonflight now they've been uh, in a very many key moments throughout the history of Warcraft, one of the most well known ones is the Wrath Gate uh, during the Wrath of the Lich King event, and and I'm, we're going to be skipping around a lot, folks. I apologize, uh, but during that event, when the plague was raining down upon both Horde and Alliance at the gates of 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 Wrath there in ice North Northrend.
1: Yeah, wow. literally the Wrathgate between Dragonblight and Icecrown Glacier.
2: Yeah, where they if you wanted to, if you separate. wanted to go
1: straight from one to the other and not have to go through Crystal Song Forest, you had to go through the Wrathgate, and that's where the Alliance and Horde's united forces uh, came together to try and face down the Lich King directly in a move one could call spectacularly optimistic. <laughs> um, Draenor's Hell'scream, not, not not Hell'scream, sorry, Draenor's uh, son of. Sarfang, so Sarfang the younger, charged the Lich King and was promptly killed. It didn't take him. It didn't take the Lich King two strikes. He hit him once and then he just pulled his soul out of his body. So yeah, bad, bad time. But this is. Let me. I'll just cover this and you'll talk to the dragon part. Sure. The uh, the the Wrathgate is where we found out about about Putris, the uh, the apothecary who had been. Actually, we have been working with him since the event that translated between Burning Crusade and Wrath. Like he'd been over in a uh, Shattrath, over in Outland, coming up with a way to like cure, or he said cure, the plague. Uh, so we helped him there. And then, if you were Horde and you played in in, in Dragonblight, the main quests were given to you by the Royal Apothecary Society. Yep. To collect various samples to help them come up with a way around the plague.
2: The one we the go end, and fight, by the way, during the uh, Love is in the Year event.
1: Yeah. So when you go to the Wrathgate at the end, especially if you're horde, you've just spent most of their time doing quests to quote unquote come up with a cure to the plague. So as Sorfang the Younger dies, as Bolvar High Dragon, the Alliance commander who had been working with Sorfang, and the two of them actually seem to have a pretty good rapport, as. He was getting ready to just go at Arthas. He even says you'll pay for that and all the lives you've stolen, monster. And Arthas is like, you know, let's, good, let's luck, see buddy. It. good luck, yeah. buddy. And that's when you hear an explosion. And Arthas, because he's a one a monofocus kind of dude, thinks it's Sylvanus. Mm-hmm. But it isn't Sylvanus. It's Putris. It's the guy you just spent the entire zone for, if you're horde curing the plague. Yeah, we got a plague cure now. Except it wasn't a cure. It, unless you think of a plague even worse than the the regular plague that will kill even undead to be a cure for the plague because that's what he drops on the, on the lich king and bolvar and everybody and it's pandemonium, and you see faces melting. And then what happens, Joe?
2: So, this is why this is it, it, kind of like that buildup is important. This plague is, this this gas is running rampant, and it is killing everything. And so, at this point, we can assume that annihilation was the goal of the Apothecary Society, because that is technically a cure for undeath. Uh, it's making things dead again. Uh, but Alex Straza comes through. The Red Dragonflight breathes this. <laughs> life-giving fire which seems like an odd mix but it is i I always love pointing this out like people are like well how can fire be a life thing it is a traditional old school old world thing where you would use the ashes to seed soil essentially to let nutrients go into it so that new life could spring but in this moment it was trying to burn away the plague and that was what was happening however there was a weird interaction you're at the One of the seats of the Lich King's power, he's literally right there. You have this plague that's murdering everything and transforming those from living to undeath in this in-between state that are not completely dead yet, and then you have this life-giving fire that is being breathed on to clear this out, and in this moment, Bolvar is reforged. We don't necessarily know this, and we don't find out until later, but he is now a new type of not He's not really undead, but he's not alive either. He's this in-between state that the only other time we see something even remotely close to that is years later when we get Caliumenothil and by a completely different way of getting there. Not to to interrupt you, Go ahead.
1: But you just hit my bingo card because I was like saying to myself, I mean, here comes Caliumenothil and you did it. I'm like, Bing, yeah. bingo. <laughs> I knew we were going there.
2: Well, it, I think because it's important. It's an. I think it's an important thing to note there but that is the essence of the red dragonflight is to guard life and and even when they want to destroy things even when they're trying to cleanse something there are weird and unforeseen circumstances going to things like the ruby sanctum or the uh the red Readout, uh which was like this mountaintop retreat these are areas lush with life and you would expect this from maybe from the green dragonflight since they're always so tied uh, heavily with druids, but the red dragonflight, which are are the most likely to be tied to mortals, most likely to interact with mortals in general, bring life wherever they go. Flowers spring in their stead. They are like stewards uh, of rebirth and life and, and vitality. And so this is also kind of important because of One, what Matt pointed out, the endless compassion that Alexstrasza has, their task of guarding all life, their reverence for all forms of life, literally all forms of life, also allowed for Alexstrasza to be named the Dragon Queen. So Alexstrasza, not only the head of the Red Dragon Flight became sort of the de facto leader of the dragon flights in general. Now that would come to possibly be an angle that Naltharian was not happy about and that maybe an old guy was able to worm in. Hey, you're the you're supposed to be the strongest in the warder, but they didn't even look at you. Uh but yet here we go. The Alexstrasza gets that that sort of uh I don't want to say the 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 title, but yeah. Well, let's put this over. way. Out.
1: I think it's a really interesting way to look at it is that they all kind of seem to see Alexstrasza as their big sister. You know what I mean? Like she has the most, for lack of it, a word, she's got the mom energy and that's, that's a big part of what's going on with her. Uh, Sorry. She's no, I'm seeing this
2: mental image of like Straza wearing like high-waisted, like stretchy jeans.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, she, she's the one driving the minivan guys. <laughs> we make, we make fun of this, but at the same time in a group, the mom is usually the one who rides herd. The mom is the one who gets everyone lined up, and every group, even even like when you're when you're in your 20s, just growing up, and you make your first friend group, every friend group has a mom. Oh yeah, there's always the one person. The mom who's of the just, group, yeah, yeah, who just moms the group. And I'm using the word mom here because it's Mother's Day where we're recording this, so it's on my mind. But like, I mean, literally, Yessera was her little sister. Like they were they were clutch mates. They were both hatched from like the same clutch. Uh, so Yessera and Alexstrasza literally were siblings. But even Nosdarmu and Malagos, and even Neltharion before he went nuts, were treated like siblings. And she, she she
2: just—that's how she was. And they even refer to each other as that too. Like there's been interactions Mm -hmm. throughout history, and we'll we'll talk about like some of them, I'm sure. But even Neltharion, even Deathwing in his uh, monstrous kaiju insanity phase, where he tries to destroy everything, even refers to the Dragonflight as brothers and sisters, like in his snide comments, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's, that's basically what they became, but it's also, it's just, it's just inherent to you, to Alexstrasza that that's how she treats everything. Like everything is, everything is like a child to her. Everything is important. Everything has, you know, it's alive. Therefore it should be nurtured. That should be, you know, that's just how she is. And I think that that's when she was called the dragon queen in no way was it in her mind any kind of attempt to assert dominance. She wasn't trying to rule the dragon flights. She was trying to steward the dragon flights yes. because, and here's the most important element. Every other dragon flight was consisted of living dragons. Yes. They were alive and therefore they should be nurtured. So that's just how she approaches interactions with people. Even when you, I, I do think we need to mention a Legion moment here, which is yes. almost as bad that if you're playing a death Knight in Legion, uh, Bolvar's kind of bitter, about the whole being turned into a a monster trap between life and death thing. And so when he gets the chance, he sends you to the Ruby, the the, the The regrown,
2: the regrown Ruby saying the one that had been destroyed before.
1: Yeah. He sends you there to find information on a long dead uh, red dragon that was seen last trying to go north to this, this place of power. And it, it, it was never seen again. So you go and you have options here. You can just sneak your way in. Uh, do his minimal, like minimal killing uh, and grab what you need. Or you can go on a wanton slaughter fest as is the want of most death knights whose approach to things is subtlety. I have an even bigger sword and a lot more zombies if you need some subtlety. um, But regardless, you can go in and get the information. If you go in on a murder spree, the red dragons are like, we will remember this.
2: And they do. And
1: if, and if you don't go in on a murder spree, the red dragons are like, well, I thank you for not going on a murder spree. But the part where you desecrate one of our fallen heroes that we have a problem with. Well,
2: there's an extra context here too, that I just want to make sure I put in there at this point. Uh, the reason that the dragons are so aggressive uh, and you, like you can't even approach them and say, "Hey, look, we would like to, you know, give rebirth to some to this," which is anathema to the Life Binder in general. Let's just be perfectly honest about that. But the whelps that reside within that sanctum are the very last whelps that there will would ever be before this next expansion, and we don't know what's going to happen with that. So this is their last clutch. This is the last of their their line, because don't forget at this point the dragons cannot reproduce there. That's it. What's it, what, what eggs exist are. That's what exists. That's why this is such a big deal. And if you go on a murderous rampage and you kill a whole bunch of whelps, and yeah, that's, that's pretty dang bad. So,
1: yeah. So that's, that's like a, there's an element to that. The, the red dragons can be pushed too far. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They can. Oh. Um,
2: there's also that moment in um, Battle for Azeroth as well. After that, right, where Alexstrasza gives one of uh, I think it's Zala Straza because there's a, a a bones of one of of their long dead brethren in Drustvar, and they're actually like there's this whole quest chain where they want like to make sure that there is no way in heck that anybody raises that like the Death Knights did in Legion. So
1: yeah, and in fact, if you do this quest as a Death Knight. Uh you show up and the dragon who's been sent is like, yeah, I'll attack you. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not here to do that. Let's <laughs> let's let's talk. And she's like, if you do and then the guy who's actually doing it shows up and you fight. But yeah, she is very much not happy to see you if you play as a death knight, Which I think is a nice touch, quite frankly.
2: And it continues too, even through uh even through Shadowlands. Like we've had moments with it, which I, I think is nice to show uh that it is not a it is a progressive story. Uh, now, there's another event that I think is really important. Is during during the time in Northrend when we were there, there is we we spent a lot of time at, at Wormrest Temple. We spent a lot of time I, with the dragon flights in general. That's one of the key components of that story. Part of what's happening in that expansion, though, is the Blue Dragon Flight led by Malagos, the Spellweaver. Is sort of going off the rails. Malagos has decided that at this point mortals can no longer be trusted with any form of magic, and so Malagos starts taking all of the ley lines of the land. Which we kind of have an inkling now that the ley lines are sort of like life veins or blood of Azeroth, because Battle for Azeroth we've, we we kind of have hints at that even now. Uh, and taking them all to the nexus making sure that they all run through the nexus so that the blue dragon flights which were granted dominion over magic by Nargana and the Dreamweaver, were would have full control over it. they could control who had access to magic and stop things because in the in malagos's mind magic has been the source of so much devastation and magic it has been like this this almost like a black cloud that hasn't been used for what it was intended. And so taking it away from the mortals was that important. Now, the reason I bring this up in relation to the red Dragonflight is because it is Alex Straza who starts with this. What Malagos is doing cannot be done. It will cause irreparable harm to all those that live on Azeroth. So in a moment of, I'm trying to think what the, the right word is for it resign a resignation where like
1: i'd say sorrowful She's sor- sorrowful out, flat yeah. out sorrowful but resolved she she know uh, resignation is also a good word for it. she basically knows i have to do this it must be done i take no joy in it uh especially since this is my brother and it's not he is not doing these things out of any kind of cackling sense of megalomaniacal power lust he's doing them because he honestly believes that they're the right thing to do but he's going to kill just the the amount of death he is going to cause is too great to be countenanced. Yeah. And so. we kind of get an inkling that, that the dragons may have been aware of something that we didn't come find out until much later.
0: Um, want to talk about that a little bit.
1: I think we probably want to talk about it more during the blue dragon flight thing, which, I think which is what we're doing. We're to.
2: doing right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So basically to get, to, to get my thing over, so Joe can talk some more. Um, basically what happens is Alexstrasza, you know, Teams up with mortal adventurers again, because, you know, we're we're really useful. We're we're like the, in a really interesting way, we're like the gig economy of Azeroth.
2: We are. We really are.
1: It's like she sets up a, you know, sets up a quest. It's basically like, you know, you know, having going onto your uh, phone and finding an app for adventurers and just, you know, swiping till you find some treasure. Maybe there's a pet in there somewhere that adventurers love pets. Um, But she basically points us to first, we have to kill Saffron. Uh, because Saffron was a very old, very powerful blue dragon before he turned into an undead monstrosity. And Saffron had a key Mm -hmm. that would allow him into the Nexus. So you have to kill Saffron and get that key. Then you go and you actually bodily invade the Nexus. You've already done this once. You've already gone into the Nexus once to basically put down a red dragon that killed Malagos's current consort. And so Malagos, in a rage, basically said, all right, you'll be my consort then. And grabbed her. So now she has to. be, She's basically been so thoroughly dominated by Malagos's power that she she almost wants you to kill her. So you have to go kill her. But this is a sign of how far off the rails Malagos is going. Yep. That he would even do that. Um, so you go in and you fight Malagos, and of course he doesn't think you can beat him. But you know Alexstrasza slips you in some Red Dragon help at the last moment, and you do. You beat Malagos. You kill an aspect, and. We should talk about how Malagos got to this point, but first when you kill Malagos, she she shows up. Like she's there. And she even says, This I did not want this, but this waste, this monumental loss of life had to be averted. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, you can push the red dragons too far and they will act. And they will kill it, in defense of life, but only in defense yes,
2: of life. Yes. That, and that's kind of sort of the important thing that I really wanted to point out there. Like even their own kind, even, even their own brothers and sisters will be held in check because their ultimate goal is to maintain life, to maintain as much life as possible. This is why the Scourge was such a a, a problem for the Red Dragonflight. This is why uh, there there's such lamentation in what happened to Azeroth and what's been going on. And this is also why, for a good number of years now, Matt and I have been wondering what the Red Dragonflight has been up to with Azeroth and such uh, disarray, I guess would be the only mm-hmm. way to, to really put it, which we're we obviously going to find out.
1: <laughs> yeah, we saw little bits of it in Shadowlands. We saw, we see Alexstrasza briefly. Yep. Um, And it's very emotional. Uh, there's, it's part of the connection between her and Ysera very much. But at this point, I think we really do have to move on and do the Blue Dragons. Yeah, um, so... Th- and- you want to go, or you want me
2: to go? I'm gonna. I'll do the. I'll do this, and then you can jump in. All right. So the Blue Dragon Flight. Uh, was the, these are your essentially your stereotypical frost drakes. Uh, almost they are normally blue in hue. They're large, but they were given dominion by Norganon over arcane magic with the task of ensuring that magic would never be abused. Now combine this. With some of the things that happened early on. Now, 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 Matt talked about the Demon Soul, right? And during that event, when Deathwing used the Demon Soul, it wiped out the majority of the blue dragon flight, uh, which left only Malagos and precious few eggs. This put Malagos into a weakened and depressed state that would persist for a very long time.
1: Yeah, to, to put it in perspective, Malagos lost his prime consort. Mm hmm uh Syndragosa, she was killed instantly. Uh he lost the majority of his children and and their children. And he got so bad that Alexstraza and the Red Dragonflight had to step in and raise his broods for him. Yes. He couldn't do it. This is one of the reasons that the Blue Dragonflight was so conflicted during the uh the Nexus War as it's been called because many blue dragons only existed because the Red Dragons had stepped in and guarded their clutches. So there was a problem. There were quite a few blue dragons who were like, um don't think this is a great idea, boss. Uh, but Malagos went into like almost a madness because and uh, I feel like I'm stepping in on Joe here, so I'm gonna shut no, up please, and let him finish. Please, please. Oh, no, okay. <clears throat> the reason Malagos went into his madness wasn't because he lost his whole flight, because you know, that was awful, yes. But here's the thing when Deathwing came up with the idea of making the dragon soul to fight the uh forces of the Burning Legion, he told them. It was Malagos who backed him. Yeah, because Malagos and and uh, Neltharion had a relationship almost as close as Yessara and Alexstrasza. They weren't literal clutch mates, but they were they were like tight as anything.
2: Well, and if you like, think about what, it, when, it makes sense. Like the, the one the dominion over arcane that flows through the entirety of Azeroth with the warder of all the deep places, the physical body of Azeroth itself makes yeah. sense that they would be close.
1: And so. Malagos trusted Neltharian implicitly. He just, yeah, this is my brother. I trust him in all things. And Neltharian knew that. And when Neltharian was sane, he was a worthy, you know, he, he stewarded that trust for, for millennia. But when he finally broke and went mad, he knew the best way for me to get what I want is to use my brother. And he did. He used him to get the rest of them to agree. Because if the spellweaver told them it was okay, yeah, I mean, it should be fine, right? the spell weaver, So they all went along with it. The the dragon soul was made, and then he used it to destroy the blue dragons. So Malagos, not only did he lose his flight essentially for, for millennia, but he was responsible for it. Yep. If he hadn't backed Neltharion, it wouldn't have happened. That's what broke him. And it was his re his resurgence came back after like many, 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 many thousands of years. And ironically it happened because of Deathwing. Um, Deathwing had taken his own eggs to what was then Draenor and set up a a nesting site there uh, in the mountains fighting Gron because he decided, you know, why should I only have one world when I can have two, you know, Deathwing was nothing if not an egocentric person. Not only that, but the pull
2: of the pull of the, uh, the pull of the old guy was weaker on Draenor.
1: Yeah. And he, so he sets up a, a clutch there. He's, he's doing research, but he's driven off by the Alliance and, uh, one of the Gron in particular, whose name I should remember because he's the first Gron raid boss, but I'm not. Gruul? Yeah, Gruul. Uh, Gruul the dragon slayer who'd been killing dragons throughout uh, the the, uh, the mountains, the Blade's Edge Mountains, and the Alliance come up with common cause because they both want to f- mess up Deathwing. Gruul is powerful enough that he can actually crack the then, uh, I believe it was adamantine plates at the time.
2: Ele- elementium.
1: At- no, the elementium thought- plates were the ones he was wearing in, in Cataclysm.
2: In, you know, he had them already because they were forged and yeah, attached to him in Blackwing Lair.
1: Yeah, but you see that in in Cataclysm, he has new plates put on. He does, yes. You know, I'm not sure, but he, he basically cracked the plates that Deathwing had on to keep his body together. And that was a problem for Deathwing because those were what was keeping his body together. Yeah. Um, But so between Gruul and the Alliance, especially Khadgar, who's really annoying because he can cast a lot of spells. Guy guy was a real pain in the butt. They drive Deathwing off. And Gruul's like, I'm going to find and kill every dragon and stick them all on spikes because they dare to be in my lair. They dare to be in my area. I'll I'll kill all of them. Then I'll come kill you guys. But at first, I got to go kill all these dragons. The Alliance is like, yeah, we hope to be gone from this planet by the time you you get done with that. Then the planet blew up because of, of Gul'dan. Uh not no Nirzul, it's Ner'zul's fault. Guldan is is sidereally responsible, but it's it's, G- it's Gul'dan.
2: put Guldan helped push him, but it was Ner'zul's yeah. fault.
1: Yeah, Nirzul like basically decides I'm gonna open as many portals as I can and we're all just gonna get out of here. And he tears the planet apart. And as a result, the eggs in Blade's Edge and other parts of, of Draenor are exposed to the raw power of the twisting nether and they're changed. And to these things called netherdrakes long story short, a blue dragon who kind of had a human boyfriend although she was also kind of dating Caligos uh, and whose name I always keep forgetting Tirigosa. it's Tirigosa. she she comes to uh, what's now Netherstorm and finds some of these dragon eggs and it's like this is fascinating. Uh, you guys gotta come with me and she brings some netherdrakes back with her to Azeroth where she introduces them to a a an addled, sickened like leave me alone I don't want to talk to anybody Malagos and when one of the Nether Drakes comes up to him the power in it leaps into Malagos and suddenly he's like focused again he's like he he blinks and he stands up to his full size and everyone's like wow I would be forgot how big he was and he's like what was that and from there everything that unfolds afterwards people thought he was sane again they thought oh he's been restored no he just had a new idea and
2: like, what was that idea
1: The idea was magic. Why do we let anybody else use it? Look what happens. All of that came from the, from the, the interaction with the nether drakes and it's not the nether drakes fault. They didn't do anything. They just were messed up. And as a result of them having all this weird twisted fell based nether magic in them, they gave him the idea. Like if, if you, if you let magic run loose, what happens? Planets get destroyed. Dragons get twisted into this stuff. I can't allow this to continue any longer. Look at what my brother has done now. And and keep in mind, that's, that's the case. This was the direct result of Deathwing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he saw it, and he was like, look what he did now. If I allow magic to be out there, he'll just use it again. And so a lot of this was his own guilt over what he allowed to happen during the original War of the Ancients, uh, the loss of his Dragonflight, the creation of the Dragon Soul. And some of it was just, finally, he had a focus for all of Mm-hmm. there was something he could do about it and so that's the whole the way the nexus war gets started it's him doing exactly what joe said and i i think you should talk more about the actual war now
2: the nexus war
1: yeah because that's the that's uh, the important thing about the blue dragonfly is twofold one is that they were the guardians of all these magical secret places throughout the world and they kept doing it even after the disaster like one of our favorite blue dragons azuragos was very much patrolling around the remains of night elf society trying to keep people from going and looking in them mm-hmm. it's like please don't do that you you saw what they did not a good idea let's let's not ever do that again but you know so, yeah. so go ahead talk about it. so
2: the the nexus war uh which is sometimes pluralized uh, called the nexus wars uh was a war between what we uh, call the resurgent blue dragon flight so this is the Dragonflight post Malagos waking up seeing the Nether Drakes and going all right I got new purpose now let's go uh the war was was basically everybody versus the uh, Malagos at this point uh now the if you read the text it says that he regained his sanity after many millennia but I'm with Matt I don't know that that's accurate uh because Malagos also declared war on all who use magic he deemed improper. So basically, uh, and I believe specifically the Kieran Tor. Mm-hmm. So the warmer Accord, which was all the dragon flights plus the mortals, uh, champions from the Horden Alliance, uh, were to go to the Nexus, which was comprised of of three different areas, uh, three different sections, uh, basically blue dragon inner space or extra dimensionality, as it were, uh, where your entire goal was to take Malagos out and try to restore the Blue Dragon Flight to some semblance of normalcy. When we are done, when we get through everything, tear through all of these uh, different regions, take out all of the the different folks that have bought purely into Malagos's insanity. And a
1: lot of them, yeah, you know, a lot of Kieran Tormages joined him.
2: A lot of Kieran Tormages did join him
1: because it's like he's got magic. He's the spellweaver and he literally has the magic. What are we if we're not mages? All right, I'm joining. And yeah, there, there's a lot of
2: that or or the idea of this, this noble cause of protecting magic. And it was humans and elves. And it was those that were all members of the Kirantor Tor that took this option or, or, or I shouldn't say all of them, but they, they, that it was an option to them because they were fulfilling what they wanted to essentially join the Kirantor Tor in the first place for, which was using magic to protect the world, but also to be stewards of magic. So when everything is said and done, uh, we wind up defeating Malagos uh with the aid of the Dragonflights, with the aid of other champions from our our factions and so now the blue dragonflight must rebuild and this is where Caligos comes in Caligos who we had freed from his imprisonment and torment of a dreadlord in the Sunwell Caligos who dated the Sunwell question mark I don't know if the comics are, or the, the the manga are still canon it's weird I don't-
1: also it's not really dating. It's it's more complicated. But yeah, <laughs> it's,
2: definitely. I am paraphrasing because we don't have time for that one. Um uh, but Malagos uh, who was tied up with a lot of really big events like the reignition of the Sunwell, uh who has lived with mortals who has uh a relationship with Jaina Proudmore uh which never really was fully explored at least not in game. I know it was in books. Um kind of winds up stepping up as the de facto leader. And this is, I believe the only time and possibly the, I think it's the first time and only time. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, where we see essentially a, uh, Ascension protocol. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah.
1: It's the only, the only dragon flight where we actually see the new leader get chosen. And, uh, what's really interesting is, uh, at this point we got to kind of talk about Argos.
2: Yep. Go for it. The
1: various dragon flights, uh, everybody, but the black dragon flight, essentially, were involved in the what was called the War of the Shifting Sands, and that's a conflict between uh, the Night Elves and their empire. So, well, you know, at this point, their empire was very much reduced. But it was the Night Elf lands versus the Silithid, and later on, we would find out it was the Akir and so forth uh, coming forth after the Sundering. And when this fight went down, uh, the Night Elves tried to fight the Akir and Silithid, but ultimately were pushed out of silithus and they were forced to retreat um when they did they were pursued but the uh the, the, the silithid did not want to go through un'goro crater because there were titan devices there that would block their path that would make it harder for them to proceed which gave the night elves time to retreat to the caverns of time mm-hmm. um, at this point uh Nasdorma was not interested in being involved in this fight he was like, I don't particularly care about this. So one of one of my children go forth and explain this to these elves that this is not our problem. But then the the sultan attacked the caverns of time, and I was like, what? Oh 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 oh! You little bug things, think you're going to fight us? And so he reached out to the others, and each of the Dragonflights sent someone. Uh, we see the the son of of Z- uh, not of Z- Zergos, although he is what I'm going to talk about. The son of. Alexstrasza shows up, uh, the one that dies later in uh, Bastion of Twilight. He shows up, he's there. There's a bronze, dra- a little bronze Drake who goes and helps, and there's Argos. Argos is the son of Malagos, the direct offspring of Malagos and Sindragosa. He spends like a thousand years as a captive held by the Karaji who worship Cthulhu. And he's one of the ones that you find and free. And he helps you by creating weapons and armaments for you to, to fight, you know, C'Thun's forces. But all that time, it didn't do good things for his mind. Let's put it that way. And when Caligos starts looking like he's going to become the head of the blue dragon flight, Argos is like, Hey, wait a minute. I'm, I'm important. I'm Malagos' direct son. I fought, you know, in, the, in all these battles for father, I supported father during this nexus war. Well, I don't see why you should be leader. And a lot of people were like, because you supported him during the nexus war. That's the thing we're trying to not do. And he's like, maybe we, the problem was just that we didn't do it right. You ever think of that? And so Aragos, it comes, comes forth as a rival to Malagos, And it's not until they find out that Aragos has been in contact with Deathwing and Deathwing is basically who's behind pushing Argos into the leadership position. Because he wants, if you can put Argos in charge, then he can remove the blue dragon Flight from opposing him. Yep. And we don't know if there's like an avuncular relationship there. Like if, if Argos saw Deathwing as Uncle Notharian, it's possible. I don't know. We never really, really talk about it. But regardless, Argos comes forth as a rival, but in the end, Caligos is chosen. And how he's chosen, you could talk about that one.
2: No, no, please continue.
1: Okay. Um, I've never played a mage, so I didn't get to actually witness the full thing. But basically, the the nexus itself opens like a channel to somewhere, and I really heavily suspect it's the tower
2: in the Dragon Isles. Uh, yeah, in the
1: Dragon Isles that we see, or
2: something, and, some mechanism yeah. there. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and through that, basically channels the will of the Titans and just the the cosmos itself during this 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 celestial alignment picks Caligos. Because he's not the one who's secretly working for Deathwing. Essentially, I feel like that's what happened. Is The devices are like, boop, boop, this one's working for the old gods. Don't pick him. Pick the other one. Okay, mm-hmm. that one's better. Yeah. So yeah, Argos, I, I think he dies. I don't remember. Like, I don't think he dies immediately, but I'm t- pretty sure he dies at some point. I'm uh, relatively confident, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Argos runs off and Calagos becomes chosen and becomes the aspect of magic. He literally gets the powers of an aspect. Um So we see that there is a mechanism in place to pick a successful and to empower them because Malagos died and he took his power with him. Like when Malagos went, when, when Malagos went, Malagos went as an aspect and Mm -hmm. he was a dead aspect. There was no more aspect as you know, to him there. So the power came from somewhere and it was put on Calagos by the Nexus.
2: Yeah. Like almost like a mantle.
1: Yeah. And so, up from that point on till the end of cataclysm caligos wasn't just he wasn't just you know a johnny come lately here he was the aspect of magic he had the power to back himself up yep which implies that any of the aspects could so be empowered which i think is going to have consequences which we'll talk about later i'm sure yep. but yeah that's what happens with with yep. caligos
2: And there's one last thing that I did want to point out about the the blue dragon flight that I think is some sort of important and something we learned back in Wrath. So for the longest time, Frostworms existed in the Scourge in part of Arthas's war as part of the Lich King's forces. They are primarily the remains of blue dragons that have been resurrected in service of the Lich King. So just kind of add one little like additional caveat in there as far as like why Malagos would be upset about magic and things happening in the world, well, that's probably another good reason that
1: added to that. And also, it should be pointed out that most of them are the dead that were killed by Deathwing in the first place. Correct. Because the the graveyards throughout Northrend are, you know, full of dead blue dragons killed by Deathwing during the Sundering. Yep. Now-
2: now, for that, we're, I think we're going to move on because we're going to be running out of time uh, here, if we don't, uh, to the Bronze Dragonflight, which was led by Norzdomu. Domu. Uh, the Bronze Dragonflight are those that are yellow in scales. Uh, they can breathe superheated sand, so they're basically giant sandblasters. And Amunthul uh chose them to guard time and space. The space is a question mark because we have some inkling, but it really hasn't been anything more than time that has been uh told to us although we have seen various things of them be able to open up alternate timelines and pocket dimensions in some of the lore in the books uh also high chromi. uh so their task was to basically prune the time stream to keep it true to keep it on course uh to find offshoots like the warlords of Drainer offshoot and wrangle it back into the main time stream so that there wasn't a million divergent universes or an infinite divergent universes. They reside inside of the caverns of time, which they call home inside of the Tenaris desert, uh, which is interesting because that means that they're not too far away from some of the old gods uh, who definitely absolutely want to re rewrite, rewrite the timelines. Uh, and so yeah, they, they
1: like one where they didn't end up trapped.
2: They absolutely,
1: be, they, they that would be good. They
2: yeah, uh, but the caverns of time are an important place. It is a nexus of power that uh, of time and the sort of where these streams mesh and line up. We as players who go to the Bronze Dragon Flight, in particular, to the Caverns of Time, go back to insist them with making sure that events transpire the way that they need to throughout history to keep the timeline together. Someone asked me a couple weeks ago about the, the cameras of time and why it's important and why we as players are able to go there. We are the mysterious folks that travel through time and go to these key events to make sure that they happen the way that they're supposed to look at, uh, going back and fighting Arkhamon for the first time. Now, In Warcraft 3, it's the armies that did it, but they always talk about the heroes, the heroes, the heroes. We were the heroes that showed up and helped bring that fight to them while the armies were doing what they needed to to keep A, the forces at bay, uh, but B, level their power when they could at Arkhamon. Seriously,
1: Uh, Azeroth's gig economy, man. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it absolutely is uh but we that was us we were the reason that thrall was able to escape his binds and thus take the horde from being a listless useless uh uh like embodiment of those in concentration camps was yes the alliance did put orcs in concentration camps uh not that the orcs were saints to begin with but still uh and well, take I, I them and, one person and- made a
1: really good point though um <laughs> the way the orcs were after the second war they were doing themselves no good and nobody else any good. So, the, in a way, the Bronze Dragonflight effectively engineered the Horde. Not just that, they engineered. Turning the Horde from something that came from another world to destroy Azeroth into something that would actually view Azeroth as its home and defend it against other things coming to kill it.
2: Exactly where I was going with it. It it becomes an important pivotal moment because of that. The Horde exists, and yes, there has been tension and terrible tragedy between the Horde and the Alliance. Uh, The Horde has done some unspeakable things. The Alliance has done some very nasty things back. However, without the Horde, would we have defeated the Legion? Would we have been able to fight back against Sargeras? Would we have been able to fix the the Shadowlands? Would any of this been able to happen? No, but the Bronze Dragonflight, being able to see the course of time in history at this point and see where the future needs to go and what needs to happen to make sure the timeline stays stable, they're able to say, this moment needs to happen. Here's what needs to happen. Go forth and do it. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking for a little bit and give this over to Matt, so...
1: Well, I just think it's interesting because one of the things we see in Mists of Pandaria is that there are other sites in the world that have an interesting relation with time. Uh, The one that we find is the Timeless Isle, which literally keeps brigadooning itself into and out of existence. And when it does, massive amounts of time pass in our world and nothing seems to happen there.
2: Karazhan moving backwards through time is also a weird thing.
1: But that's a ley line thing, which I think ties into the fact that magic and time are connected in the Warcraft universe. Uh If you actually look at it, you'll notice that earth is full of magic, which can affect time, which is necessary for life, which brings us to dreams because living things dream. And each of them is that dream is essentially consciousness and consciousness affects magic, which can just deform the land, which can, you know, and they're all interconnected in a way. They're all like, Aspects of a singular force, and with what the Bronze Dragonflight does, what they're really doing, it isn't so much. It's it's impossible to describe without using words that sound like what Joe earlier was saying, pruning the timelines. But they're not pruning them because it, they don't cut them off. They're it's like if you see a stream and like there, there's a an offshoot of the stream that's going off into a deserty place and eventually evaporating into nothing. They're irrigating it back into the main flow of the water system. They want it all to be going in this direction rather than being wasted off there somewhere. And it's, it's an interesting balance between the idea of limitless possibility that the, the, uh, the old gods and the infinites come up with. And the idea of one true timeline that the Titans perceive is that the bronze dragons understand that many things are possible, but you want to create, you want the ones that will sustain life. That will sustain existence that will tie back all those forces. And that ties into how Deathwing's end comes about. Because I think that's going to be a big part of Dragonflight.
2: Yeah. I mean what we,
1: happened at the end of Cataclysm and what Norsdormu did.
2: And not only that, but I mean Deathwing in general and his impact on the Dragonflights are going to be ever present in the next expansion.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, both before he went mad and after. Yeah. Um but at the end of cataclysm after you fight deathwing twice like you fight deathwing up in the sky and you manage to to get thrall a shot to hit him with the dragon soul and knock him into the uh, maelstrom and you say yay we did it and then he comes up and he's even worse it's like oh my god now he's got like 60 60 million tentacles this ain't great and you have to fight him again and if you're me uh, you spend an awful lot of time running around, jumping from platform to platform and annoying him. Don't hit everybody else. Hit me with your big, big tentacles. Oh, God. Um, The whole purpose of that is you get him to a point where the, the dragon flights can come together and use the de- the dragon soul and finally take him out. But when this happens, Nosdormu even says, I'm tying all timelines to this point.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a fixed point using, at that point. I'm
1: using all my power. And when he does that, he ensures that Deathwing doesn't just die here. There won't be a timeline that he doesn't die here. All the timelines that lead, in, you know, for any direction, if Deathwing exists in them, this is where Deathwing dies. And I think that's important. You'll notice we didn't see Deathwing in the Shadowlands. Correct. And I'm not saying that we had to see everybody who died in the Shadowlands, but we do see- It was see, interesting. Yeah, we do see Ysera in the Shadowlands. We don't, we see, don't see Malagos.
2: Or Malagos, yeah, we don't see Malagos.
1: Yeah, we don't see Malagos. Um, and that might just be because Malagos got properly replaced. Um, but, but regardless, I, I, th- I find myself thinking about what exactly did Norsdormu do? Did Norsdormu create a loop? Is Deathwing trapped in a loop of dying in that place?
2: Well, which forever? is, which is interesting because Norsdormu is two.
1: Yeah. So, Norsdormu's a whole life. We, we do need to talk about that.
2: And before we We're, move on to the last couple of yeah. minutes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So I'm going to have Joe because he you were, you were coming in anyway, one of, I think, but I wanted you to. So.
2: One of the things that is intrinsically tied with the Bronze Dragonflight is the infinite Dragonflight. What we now understand is uh Domu, who has succumbed to corruption. And there's a question mark after this uh, because we don't know the exact moment uh, that things happened and we don't know why it happened but we're starting to maybe get some pieces of it but that's a whole other show about the infinite dragon flight we might have that later so we're that is-
1: gonna probably have to do it next week at this point because yeah. we've got a bunch of other dragon flights to talk about um so
2: that'll probably be in part three the but he becomes a Maruzond, the leader of the infinite dragon flight which is essentially trying to unravel the braided rope that has been curated and put together and kept in place by the Bronze Dragonflight. When you go in free thrall from and, and do that entire uh, point of history, you're going back to do that because the bronze the Bronze Dragonflight's now essentially immortal enemies, the Infinite Dragonflight, are actively working to make sure that that doesn't happen, and that becomes a constant theme. Now,
1: yeah, the one that I always go to is the Black Morass. Yes, when you get to the last boss of the Black Morass, he flat out screams that you know you know they've come to do, to unmake this clockwork universe. Like he screams this just before you, you fight him. And Which I've is something
2: really that. I was going to say with the the events of the Shadowlands. It makes me start to wonder if that was the Little Jailer's influence and not the Old Gods.
1: Anyway, I have a whole thing. <laughs> Tell me when you're done because I've got a thing to say here.
2: Uh, you know, what? just go for it, Matt.
1: Okay. We've been kind of trying to figure out how did Mirazan get corrupted? What did what corrupted Mirazan? But the more I think about it, the more I think back to the fact that when Murazan dies, Nozdormu is standing there watching it happen.
2: Yep. He's witness to his own death.
1: And he says, so it ends. What if Mirazan wasn't crazy and wasn't evil and went into everything knowing that he was going to die? Mm-hmm. And in fact, he had to do all this to get you to that moment. There has to be a foe. It has to be happening. You, the fight happened. I saw it. All of this has to happen. So he makes the infinite dragon flight and does all this stuff. And is never once crazy. He does it because he knows he has to do it.
2: It's it's because
1: he did it. You know, I I just saw it happen. I know what has to happen. I have to do
2: it. You know, it reminds me of not to, because we always wanted up talking about at least one comic book thing. There mm-hmm. was this, there was this like Elseworlds thing where uh, Batman needed a villain. And so Alfred became the villain where the true identity, like, and it, this isn't canon, but it was like, the, this concept is the same. Alfred realized that he needed to motivate Bruce to, to to make his goals accomplished. So Alfred became the Joker. It it's that whole idea of I need to have something for somebody to focus on. So in this particular case, you have Norrisdomu going potentially, uh these heroes need something to focus on. They need a foe so great, so vast, that spans time and space itself, that up, that pushes against them at every capacity to make them strong enough to get them to the points where they need to be to stop what I need them to stop. Because Norisdomu never lost his ability to see through time and space. Nope. None of his Dragonflight did, even after the events of, of Cataclysm. His Dragonflight was still able to do things like open up portals, uh, create pockets of, of divergent time like Warlords of Draenor. They still had an insane amount of power and control and insight into time and space. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that has told us that he lost that
1: ability. It's so- what makes me think that you know it's very possible that Nozdormu is right now laying the groundwork for Murazond because he knows he has to be Murazond. Not because he hates what his job is, not because he hates the dragonflights, not because he expects to win. In fact, he knows exactly how he's going to lose. Yep. And and you'd think Murazond, knowing exactly how he could he's going to lose, would do something to change it, except it's the whole point.
2: And think about the timeline of how things unfold, too. That was mm-hmm. early in WoW when we meet Murazond. That was pretty early within the first few expansions. That's when we see the infinite Dragonflight. We when see we the see the infinite them.
1: Dragonflight first, we don't meet Morozond until much later, but we see the infinite Dragonflight in BC. Yes. It's the first Caverns of Time dungeons. That's when yes. we first see them. So we've been with running around with the infinites for a long time.
2: Now, what if all of that has been leading us to basically have the groundwork and framework and have the expansion of mind to deal with the things we've been dealing with? And- I mean,
1: it would also explain why the infinite Dragonflight Showed up to help, you know, Grom Hellscream, Garrosh Hellscream get away from you know his captivity
2: because it was necessary for Draenor in order to get more forces there's there's a lot of interplay there's a lot of intertwining we could probably spend three or four episodes going through nothing but how the bronze dragonflight and in particular the infinite dragonflight aren't actually agents of bad uh but are actually doing their job they're just not Mm -hmm. doing it in a way that we can understand because they're playing 5d chess
1: yeah they're they're coming at this from the perspective of having seen it all already
2: They are, they can literally move backwards through time. They understand, they can understand things in reverse. There's an old saying, sorry, real quick. There's an old saying that, you know, uh, you can only live life moving forward, but you can only understand it moving backwards. The the bronze dragon flight literally can do that. We don't know what they've seen. We don't know how far into the future they can see presumably all of it.
1: If you think of it this way to us, time is like a sidewalk, it's like a, there's a white, black, white, black, this path leading forward to the, to the dragon flight, to the infinite and bronze dragon flight. It's a chess board. I can go over to that square anytime I want. But that square is back in the past. Not to me. It isn't that square is just a square. I can go to any square on this board at any time I want to. Cause from my perspective, it's a board. This isn't linear to me. I know how it has to end. I know how it starts but I can go to any any of these things on the way. I don't have to just go from A yeah. to B, and that's the thing. It, it, like when Joe said five, fifth dimensional chess, it's literally like to me. Yesterday is just another today.
2: Yeah, and and- we we talked about this a while ago when we talked about the the bronze dragon flight when Anne was still with us, and this is going back years at this point. Uh, we talked about how. There, there's this concept of fixed points of time, and the idea is that the very first moment of time is a fixed point, and the very end of time is a fixed point, and everything in between is just kind of coexistent for the Bronze Dragonflight, for, except, uh, for, those ex- except yeah. for those fixed points. Except for those six points, like the death of Deathwing at at the Maelstrom, uh, except for things that are being locked in or potentially pulled from the timeline and given their own bubble, so. The Bronze Dragonflight is probably one of the more interesting ones, and one of the reasons why I'm really excited that we're going back to the Dragon Isles, because I have a suspicion that there is going to be some nuggets of information, some some little things for us to travel, some things for us to follow, uh, that tell us more about what they actually know, what they actually do. Because don't forget, this was the home of the Dragonflights, this island that they, they couldn't find. Because the beacon wasn't lit, which interestingly enough, and Matt brought this up a couple weeks ago, it feels a lot like the Timeless Isle. Is this because yeah. the Bronze Dragonflight helped in the defense system? Is it because they helped make sure that it wasn't something that they could go back to? Does this mean that the did Infinite Dragonflight yeah. did go back there because they could because it was their own magic?
1: Yeah, and, It's possible. Or for that matter, what what we really interesting is that they couldn't go back in time to it until now. And. We and also, now they can travel back in time to it. It's or like that's, that's or this, is, it,
2: is this the point where the Infinite Dragonflight is born? And the yeah. other interesting thing, too, is the Infinite Dragonflight, uh, this is going to sound a little bit odd, too, because we generally see them as bosses, but we interact with them a lot. Even in this current expansion, even in the Shadowlands, when you go to Tazavesh, one of the bosses is an infinite dragon that has taken over a pirate crew outside of Boralus. Why? What is important in that moment? Why does that have to happen?
1: Or not happen. Or not happen.
2: Is that is that the one ship that would have tipped the siege of Baralis to yeah, go the wrong way, but we we got there because there was a dragon that we needed to fight?
1: Yeah, especially if you think of the infinite dragonflight as Nostormu's way to get us to do what he wants- Intruding, ultimately killing him is he might deliberately be using them to get us to stop things by having an infinite dragon there for us to fight.
2: I I bring this up a lot. We are very reactionary. We as heroes tend to go where we see the perceived threat. If there's no perceived threat, we kind of have a blind eye to it. We don't pay attention to something that is not in a clear and present danger. So what, how do you fix that? You give a clear and present danger. You give a target that, heroes can't ignore
1: when you have a bunch of gig economy people with hammers put some nails in the area. Yeah,
2: more or less uh but i think that's going to do it for this particular episode where we covered the red the blue and the bronze we are going to wind up having a third episode folks where we talk about all of the other dragon flights uh little reminder here uh if you do have questions for us particularly that you want us to cover about any of the dragon flights, send them in to us. Send them mm-hmm. into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Send them into our Discord channels for our patron Q and podcast questions or our Q and podcast questions for non-patrons. Send them and let us know. Uh we'll try to target or or answer those while we're talking about the other dragon flights. Uh yes, there are a lot of them. Yes, we're going to be hopefully only doing three. We'll see how it goes. Uh but we still have so much more to talk about. And if you have anything that you want to know, just let us
1: know. Yep.
2: Now, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. As always, I want to make sure that you are reminded that we at Blizzard Watch still continue to stand with all the employees of Activision Blizzard, as well as the game industry at large, and continuing to unionize as well as demanding change for a better tomorrow and safer work environments. Well with that, folks, thank you very much. We'll see you next week.
1: Time Dolphins.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen.